welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome to another episode of Barnyard Language. We are taking a brief holiday before starting season two of the podcast. This episode was previously released, but we think you will enjoy listening again, or maybe you're hearing it for the first time. We will be back in September with our first anniversary episode. As always, we would appreciate if you would follow, rate, and review the podcast so more people can find us. Even better, share your favorite episode with a friend. If you are a fan of the podcast, please consider becoming a patron through Patreon. Listener support means that we can continue to make the show. I'd just like to add a content warning for this episode. We will be talking about childhood trauma and adoption and drug addiction. So if any of those topics are going to be problematic for you, we'll see you at the next episode and take care of yourselves. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us again this week on Barnyard Language. As always, Katie, I'm going to ask you first what's happening on the farm these days. So the guys are getting, they got the combine out last night and... Jim said the corn's coming in about 22% moisture, so it's still a little wet. We actually pick most of our corn because we grind our own feed for our livestock. So we're, you know, looking for it to dry down enough to pick it. And the boy child had some big thoughts on that. You know, this morning we were driving to school and he saw the combine. He says, he's three and a half, mind you. He says, corn's still too wet. No combines. Daddy says, still too wet. And I said, oh yeah, it's too wet. Yeah. Daddy washed it. Get the dirt <laughs> off. Not dry though. Still too wet. And I said, oh, really? And he goes, needs to rain. Has soap on it. Have to wash the soap off it. Then it dries. Then we can combine. Fair enough, I guess. Makes you sense. know, I, little tater. Time. I love hearing how they process the information that they've gotten. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, and, and he, just... he clearly has heard some of the conversations and doesn't quite know how to figure it all out, but he'll right? explain it to you anyway. And I mean, he knows that when we wash dishes, we put soap on and then we rinse it off and then they dry and the same with laundry and bath time. And so I guess he just figured that corn would be the same way, but just the mental image of like how you would, you know, get soap on that many acres of corn. (laughs) Yeah. Just, you know, the sun's rolling off when it rained. So remind me again, Katie, how many acres are you looking to take off? We have... 300 acres total on the farm. I want to say we've got 20 acres of corn in maybe. We don't, Mm -hmm. you know, because we use almost all of it for ourselves. So we basically combine and sell enough to pay the seed bill on that and then pick the rest to feed the animals. So not nearly the acreage that a lot of folks around here have, but also our combine is four rows. So it still still takes some time, but not near what the part of Iowa I'm from. There's a lot of folks that are running 10,000 acres. So mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it takes quite a bit longer to, to get that off. So how are things going at your place, Arlene? Well, we're patiently waiting for the, the combine to show up. We don't own our own combine. So we have a custom operator to come and do the soybeans. So it's looking positive and that should be starting soon. And 
typically, you know, these things usually would happen on a holiday weekend. And so this is Thanksgiving weekend here in Canada. So I assume he'll probably show up right about the time that, you know, we might want to be having Thanksgiving dinner or something like that. But harvest happens when it happens, right? So that'll all work out, I'm sure. And yeah, so we have a couple of dinners arranged for for this weekend. Everyone's vaccinated. And so we can get together this year, which is pretty nice. And yeah, otherwise on the farm, you know, the same old milking cows. We had another heifer calf this morning. So we had have had a real run on heifer calves and that hasn't stopped. So that continues. And my father-in-law had a bit of a run-in with a, a ram the other day. Apparently the ram won on that one. So he's moving a little little slower. So hopefully he heals up all right. It wasn't worth the hospital visit, but I think a few aches and pains on, on his end. So I'm not sure if that ram's going to stick around or not. I guess we'll stay tuned on that one. So what are you guys having for Thanksgiving dinner, Arlene? Well, the one gathering with my in-laws, my mother-in-law is hosting that one. So I think we're having turkey for that one and kind of all the traditional stuff. And then on holiday Monday, it's going to be here. And I bought a bunch of chickens from a friend's farm uh, during the summer. So I'll probably do a chicken instead of a turkey because their chickens are huge anyway. So it's pretty much the same thing. I I mean, I I like chicken or turkey. So we're going to do kind of the two more traditional meals. So does Jell-O count as a salad in Canada like it does in Iowa? It, it seems to be a main course item. Yeah. I know my, my, my grandmother-in-law's in her, her nineties and her, her contribution is, is usually still the, the red jello with raspberries and it is, is a favorite and you can have it both with main course and dessert. So, I mean, it's, it's a multi-purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really, I feel like kind of, if it's sort of the color of a fruit or vegetable that counts as a salad at that point no especially for thanksgiving or sure eh, i mean if you got marshmallows on your sweet potatoes then then jello just fits in wherever you want it to be that's true yeah once you start putting marshmallows on the actual vegetables all bets are off at that yeah, point yeah rules don't matter anymore yep so for the for the cranberry sauce though you know inquiring minds need to know straight out of the can or homemade the one meal is going to be homemade the one at my place i I don't know if I will bother with cranberry sauce on chicken. We'll we'll wait and see. If you take it out of the can, do you squish it up or do you just leave it in the can? I'm a squish it up person. Yeah. It needs to kind of like not still be in a tube. I'm a slicer. I'll admit it. (laughs) Yeah. That's what my family's always done. And I, you know, I kind of like, I like the visual of putting out the fine china with this can shaped wiggly you know with the ridges on top and <laughs> and then you could even slices you know because it's got the ridges so you can measure how much you're cutting <laughs> i like food i want to talk about thanksgiving i'm excited for it and we get to do another thanksgiving in a few weeks right? yeah see oh that's true we get to talk about it all again so is canadian thanksgiving on saturday or on monday i don't know <laughs> it's a long weekend <laughs> so yeah. yeah we get Mo- monday monday's a holiday so i mean I don't know that anyone really has like a, like we're having, having one supper Saturday night and one on Monday. A lot of people would do them on the Sunday. I don't know that there's really like a. So then do you guys still have Black Friday? Yeah. I don't know that it was a thing when I was a kid, but because we have a lot of American retailers, there is like a, we do your Black Friday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just. I don't know. I went Black Friday shopping a couple of years ago. But there's ago. not, yeah, there wouldn't be like, like sales or anything, uh, you know, here. Whether I mean, like other than food sales, there wouldn't be like big like Thanksgiving sales or anything because most stores would be closed 
for the weekend and then it just goes into like a regular week right because then it's like a tuesday to friday well especially if you guys can't figure out what day thanksgiving is it seems like it would be hard <laughs> yeah. when, to have when, do you, when do you pick your sales yeah <laughs> whenever yeah what's open and when whatever Podcasts are free to listen to, but they aren't free to create. Katie and I would appreciate your support as we work to build the Barnyard Language community. Patreon is an easy way for you to make a contribution that goes directly to making this show. There are three levels of patrons. If you join at the farmhand level of Patreon, you get early access to episodes and the chance to give us input on upcoming shows. At the percolator level, you can listen to our mistakes and there's a lot of them, see video content like the Rabbit Agility class and access quarterly instructional videos. At the good shit level, we will give you naming rights on livestock, barn cats, and future children, invite you to live chats with us, and regular updates from our farms. Good morning, Arlene. Hi. I got everybody on the bus, second day in a row. Woo-hoo. Yes. Nice. <laughs> yes. Couple of weeks. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, ours wait till after Labor Day. So that's nice. Two, two years ago, because I, I drove them last year because it was another potential exposure point for COVID stuff. So I was like, all right, we're five minutes from the school. I'll drive you. So two, two years ago, our youngest hid one day on at the end of their ride. Well, didn't really, it just didn't get off. Yeah. So the bus driver is supposed to check at the school, you know, like walk to the end of the bus and then check all the seats. But he didn't do that till he got home. Uh, and th- then he found him <laughs> and he said, he said, that's only the second time it's ever happened. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, yeah, they were both your kids. <laughs> My now 13 year old had done it when he was about the same age. So I was like, well, maybe you should check the seats before you leave the school. <laughs> Certainly when they leave your house, Arlene. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. A little tally of how many children have gotten off the bus at your house. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think they've been having trouble finding enough bus drivers. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. So Arlene, are you in are you in Canada? Yes. Yeah. I'm in Ontario. So I'm about an hour from Ottawa. So the in that in between between Toronto and Ottawa in that zone. Yeah, we were just talking on school board last night that we're having a hard time finding paraprofessionals or the, the assistants for the special needs kids, substitute teachers and bus drivers. We can't get them. Mm-hmm. We're at a shortage. We, we continue to be more and more of a shortage every year. So Supply teachers were a big issue last year with all the COVID stuff too. And there was, there were times where schools would close just because they couldn't get enough supplies because, you know, especially in a small school, if a bunch of teachers are quarantining, then there weren't enough staff to go around. Yeah. It's about to be our issue again this year in our school district. Yeah. We had two weeks of virtual school last year because we had one, group of teachers at the middle school who decided to all have lunch together mm, all yeah. the desks together and 19 of them had to be quarantined oh wow yeah so we didn't have enough so we had to close the entire district for two weeks yeah so your and, kids were in school some of the time at least last year yeah full-time except mondays were virtual almost the entire year yeah and then we only had two weeks of full-time virtual school right before thanksgiving or end of November. Did you guys do Thanksgiving? Yeah, Thanksgiving's in October. October, yeah. Our harvest is just earlier. Yeah, there's already snow falling in November. Arlene, should we actually start the show at the beginning instead of in the middle? (laughs) Doing our chatter here? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, sure. I can edit it back Uh, in, but... (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. Do you want to go ahead and introduce our guests for today? We certainly could. 
Our guests today are Greg and Travis Padgett. They farm with their three sons in central Iowa. Greg is the Next Generation Director for Practical Farmers of Iowa, and Travis is a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, which means that he actually like wears a suit to work. Hi there. Hi, welcome Greg and Travis. So we start off each of our podcasts with a guest and ask, what are you growing? So that can be on your farm, within your household, or however you want to define that. So what are you guys growing? What are we growing? We're growing quite a bit. We bought the farm about three years ago, and we've kind of grown on both the family and the the farm side. So I can talk a little bit about the farm, and I'll have Travis talk about the kids. On the farm, we have Mostly sheep. We are raising Shetland sheep for wool. Um, So this year we've ramped up and we have about 30 sheep uh, roaming the farm. And then we have some cattle and some goats and some chickens just kind of uh, keep the the whole system in check and kind of provide more for our freezer. So we have just 25 acres, so we can do quite a bit with it. Our boys love playing out on the farm and seeing all the animals and feeding the bottle calves. I'll let Travis talk a little bit about the kids. All right. So we're three little boys. We're growing every single minute of every day. So we're trying to raise really good men, but our boys are three years old, six and eight. Our three-year-old was our first child. We got him at birth and we adopted our six and eight-year-old sons during COVID. So we got a call about them right as the COVID lockdowns were starting last March and asked if we would consider taking in two brothers that needed a new home coming from a rough situation. So we met them and opened our hearts and our home and and our wallets (laughs) to expanding our family from three of us to five. So we're now the five pageant guys. And I'd say with COVID, I've also been growing myself. So that's, we're trying to raise these boys to be really good boys. And I think on the farm, it's really great because they're learning about land stewardship, but also treating animals right, where our food comes from, how to respect our food. We're really lucky dads in the fact that our boys like adventurous foods. And right now, Indian and sushi Mm -hmm. are two of the new favorite things when we're bringing home. So we get to do a lot of food exploration, but we're excited just to teach them how to eat good food, how to respect our food, and yeah, raising up some some boys. Had to buy a bigger car because legs are all three sets of legs are getting longer every minute. <laughs> and a couple more freezers. And a couple <laughs> more freezers also. Yeah. Yeah. Even just car seats alone seems to expand the, the need for bigger vehicles. Yeah, for sure. Car equipment and T-ball equipment, all those things that we're going to do, right? With three of them shoving all their equipment and our chairs because... I'm a 48-year-old dad. I want to sit down while they practice. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we we have a Ford Edge, which is, you know, a a bigger crossover. And I can already see us sliding towards minivan territory or Yukon territory, something of that nature. Just because, you know, when we go on vacation, the whole back of the car is already packed. And they're still little. So, yeah, I can totally see that slide into a bigger vehicle and I'm sure your keeping up with clothing is even worse than ours. Uh, Like working in Eddie Bauer again, just holding them, sorting laundry. Oh, I gave up on folding 
But even just keeping everybody in clothing that fits, I realized that everybody's undies were getting too small last week and promptly dropped $120 on socks and underwear Mm -hmm. Um, just for the kids, not the, the adults are not having this issue. Now that mine are back in school, I reminded my middle two today that they could open their drawers and not just dress themselves out of their laundry hampers the, the entire time that there were some clothes in those drawers that, that fit and maybe even look be- a little better than the ones that they keep pulling out of the laundry bin. Because I sort, but I don't always get much of it put away. But it's in their baskets, so they know where it is. One of my big victories this week, I had posted in the Barnyard Language Facebook group, but my kids had been playing on the flatbed trailer and playing with the chains that we use to tie down the equipment. And I actually managed to get 98% of the stains out, and with the liberal application of Gojo, got most of the grease off my children. Personal laundry detergent and purple power mechanics detergent spray from the auto department did the trick on the clothing, but it was it was touch and go there for a while. <laughs> it's the magic combo. Yeah, we're all about the chemicals in our laundry room. <laughs> you two are our first couple interview on Barnyard Language. So we're wondering if you would tell us a bit about how you met. Yeah, Greg and I actually met online and started chatting. I had nice conversations for, I don't know, about a week. We just chatted quite a bit and I liked his personality. And so we decided to have a first date. And legitimately, I left that first date thinking I just met my person at 44 years old. I had never felt that and, you know, had romance and whatever in life, but never thought, wow, I think I just met my future husband. And it took him a couple of weeks for me to convince him, <laughs> but it's, it's been great since then. I'll tell you one of my favorite memories of our beginning relationship. We, Greg was doing a CSA, our first spring, spring or summer that we had been dating and the garden had gotten away from us. We might've been on vacation. I don't remember where, but we sat on our bums in the garden, scooting through weeding and weeding and weeding. We did that all weekend and chatted and had great conversations. And that's, I think, when he sealed the deal that I knew I needed to marry this person. (laughs) That was before I convinced him to butcher chickens. Yes. (laughs) That's a bit less romantic. Yes. Yes. Especially without a plucker. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like you have to lock it down before you start pushing people into things like hand plucking birds. Exactly. Like that's a real real testament to your relationship. Can I ask which site you guys met on? It's one of the we, we always sites. We always talk it was farmers only. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Jim and I actually did meet on farmers only and Travis I had the same experience that it was probably 20 minutes into it. There was never a question if we were going to get married. There was never any, you know, is he going to call me? None of that. It was just a done deal. And Jim likes to say it took him longer because we were like three dates in before he knew that we were going to get married. Playing hard to get. I've always said that Greg feels like home. Yep. With him, I just felt like it was home. Didn't matter where we were, what we were doing. It was where I was supposed to be. And how long have you guys been married? So we got married in 2017. So we met in 2015. So we moved quick. And then, so we got married in the fall and we decided we wanted to have a big wedding that we could bring all our friends and our family. We being from two different communities and not have, we had two mutual friends before we met. Mm -hmm. And so just to bring all of our friends together and our big families, 
through some of the food that we fed our, our guest, and we had a friend that raised the lamb that was in the lamb stew, and just lots of really great memories with our wedding. And one of the things, I enjoy knitting, and I decided that I was going to knit my wedding best. And so from there, I decided I was going to try this new technique called Fair Isle knitting, which is knitting with two colors in each row, creating a pattern. Mm-hmm. It's quite an intricate endeavor, but I decided I was going to do it. And I was going to make my first garment using a totally new technique. And there's a lot of memories in that vest because we went on trips and I knitted while Travis drove and I knitted and I knitted. And the night of the rehearsal dinner before the wedding was the night I finished. So it was just so cutting it a little close. Yeah. Fingers crossed that it fit and it did and all was wonderful. So it was just neat to have all those memories tied to it. Um, like when we went out to Nebraska to go see the solar eclipse and Kansas City to have Ethiopia and on that trip and just all the, the adventures we went on. And, and now to have this heirloom piece that we can always um, pass down through the family. It's really fun. You guys are seriously going to make me cry. This is this is going to be the interview that does it. Also, just so you know, I did convince him to buy a suit. Oh, yes in time to have it fitted and to make sure it fit just in case the sweater didn't turn out. He did have something to wear for the wedding. There were backup plans. Yeah. yeah. That's where the best partnerships have, you know, the, the person who's inspired and the person who makes a backup plan sometimes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> As someone who is also that, well, Arlene, I feel like inspired is probably a nice word for it because <laughs> I've heard a lot of other words to describe it. Um, <laughs> It is definitely good to have a partner who's a little more pragmatic, perhaps, about how much can be done or what can be done in a reasonable amount of time. One of my big personal things is I love to talk to folks whose families came together a little more creatively than others. So can you tell us some about how that experience went for you guys? And with your two older kids joining your family after your youngest child, how you went about really making yourself a a cohesive unit? Yeah, the origins of our family are random. We are very, very lucky people. So We had discussed having kids, but we got married in September of 17 and just working on combining households and, and, you know, all those things of being newly married. And one day here in my office, I got a random phone call from a friend saying, hey, do you and Greg want to have a baby? (laughs) So the pragmatist in, in me got off the phone and called our lawyer first before calling my husband and said, (laughs) I got this phone call. Is this a legal option? Is this something we can actually pursue? And walked through that process with her to make sure it's something that wasn't, I didn't want to get dreams up if they were just going to be taken away really quick. So got the go ahead from our attorney to proceed in some steps and called Greg and said, this is what's happened. And our youngest found us basically. So friend of a friend, his bio mom went to a friend of mine saying, Hey, don't judge me, but I'm seven months pregnant. And I really don't think I could be a single mom of three. I need somebody to adopt this family. Can you help me? And she said, well, I happen to know this really great gay couple. Are you okay with that? Yes, she was. And she was a, a substance abuse treatment client. And I used to be a substance abuse treatment therapist. So she was reassured from my standpoint that I would be somebody who would always respect her and appreciate her in in life and never degrade her to our child. 
And so Greg and I met her just a few days later because she was seven months pregnant. We didn't have a lot of time. And through that process, fell in love with her. Lots of tears, lots of love. It was really a strange moment to walk in and meet this lady who might be holding your baby. We hired an adoption agency to take care of all of her legal rights and make sure she was protected and educated in her decisions and hired the lawyer right away to go through all the legal steps. And we started the process. It's normally a long process, but we had a friend's wedding in Italy. So we were going to be in Europe for two weeks in the middle of this. And we went to Italy with most of the adoption process already in place and a contingency plan with a credit card. If baby came early, we were getting on a plane and flying back. He came just a week early. So May 8th of that year, he arrived and we got to be at his birth and we got to coach her through the birthing process. And he got to do his first skin to skin with his two dads. So in the hospital, the hospital was really great, gave us our own room. While she was in the hospital, the baby had to stay and we had our own room next door to her. So the baby stayed with us the whole time and the nurses taught us how to feed and bathe and do all that stuff. So he found us, he needed a family and he came to us. And then our two older boys, because of Oscar's adoption, one of the questions was, would we be willing to consider older kids? And of course we said, yes. It's a pretty rare event for older kids to need adoption through a private adoption and not through DHS. And so she called us one day. I thought she was calling to check in on Oscar. And she said, hey, would you, you said you would consider it. Would you consider them? Timing was good for us. So we took on that challenge. Little did we know COVID and all the restrictions would last so long, which made it extra complicated. But we took these boys in and I come from a mental health background. And we immediately got a therapist to do family therapy together and then group therapy with the boys or the the boys together and then eventually alone. And they did therapy once a week for almost a year. We just do our best to, to learn, integrating them into the family, learning about them, trying to find what eases their anxieties or tensions, giving them good opportunities. It, It has been a struggle taking in two children from a bad situation that came with a whole lot of baggage. And so trying to navigate that as dads and help them heal while also helping them develop things like they had never been kitchen table or dining room table to sit at. So working on table manners and working on the reassurance that they wouldn't be hit, finding out some of their medical things to make sure medically they were taken care of. It's been a journey. It continues to be a journey. It's only been almost a year and a half now since they moved in with us and things are considerably better. I took four months off of work last summer to stay home with them so to try to integrate them better into our family. We're a family now. We still have our bumps and little bruises to get through and Some of their trauma history continues to pop up, but it's less frequent and they know that they're safe now. Yeah, it's definitely, it was a fast process because we met the boys in mid-March and they moved in the beginning of May. So we did a lot of introductions. They stayed for an overnight and then we worked our way up to a a three-day weekend. The whole time we're still, we're a newly married couple with a baby trying to start a farm and both working full-time up off the farm. So just a lot of adjustments and and trying to figure out how to be school dads through COVID. Definitely all of a sudden it's like trying to figure out how to get a kindergartner into school and all of those, those new things. And so it's definitely been a lot of adventures and trials and make our way through it. 
one of my favorite moments in therapy, we got together on the day we had decided with the therapist and with bio grandparents who are still in their lives. So we have the boys get to have three sets of grandparents. We had all discussed it was time to tell the boys they were being adopted. And so we all sat down and I'm nervous, right? Hard to catch my breath. Here we go. My gosh, how horrible is this going to be for them? And we said, boys, you are going to be adopted. And the oldest one looked up and he said, well, what do you mean? I thought we already were. (laughs) Oh, okay. Are you okay with that? Yep. Your name's going to become last name Paget. It's not already. Well, kind of. Okay. Okay. What's for dinner? And on they went. They were not bothered at all by that. You're going to be adopted conversation. So we worked ourselves up for really nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. They were, they were already there. Yeah. 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 I assumed we were. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Just paperwork, right? Yeah. Have you been able to maintain a, a relationship with your youngest son's biological relatives as well then? We have not. So the deal with bio mom was as long as she stayed sober, we would stay in contact. Yeah. And she fell off that wagon. You know, my substance abuse treatment history of being a therapist, I I just told her, if you're not healthy, you won't be a part of his life. If you're healthy, you get to be a part of our lives. And while she was healthy, we kind of felt like uncles to her. We helped her get some clothes for a new job. We helped her actually find a job when she got out of treatment and we helped her move to her apartment and helped her with those things that we could as long as she was healthy and she got to see Oscar. When she was no longer healthy, I disconnected from her on purpose and then would reach out to her every once in a while just with, hey, we still love you. We hope you're well. We want you to do well in the world. And she reached out a couple months ago to say she's back in treatment and excited about being sober again. So if that path continues and she continues to do well, then he will get to have some contact with bio mom. I just really want to thank both of you for giving your kids that gift of demonstrating how to set those boundaries, especially around things like mental health and substance abuse, where it can be rock and inconsistent. The familial involvement with wanting to have a relationship with someone who isn't consistently healthy enough to have that relationship and to be a a healthy part of your child's life. Yeah, I will say I've been always very upfront. So same with bio grandparents. They know that the boys are our priority. Mm -hmm. And if we don't think that relationship is good, we will correct it or we will stop it. I will say my husband had a really fantastic analogy for the boys when they were, Ben, the oldest one was worried about why would my parents have us if they didn't want us? And it's a tricky conversation because I want to say they were horrible people that mistreated you, right? Mm -hmm. And Greg stepped in and came up with the analogy. Do you remember the analogy? No, you don't. Oh, God, it was such a big moment in my world. Greg, I, I tell people this. So Greg told the boys that our job is to take good care of you, treat you, treat you nice, give you good food, help you get educated, teach you to be good people in the world, and that... Just like at work, if we're not good at our job, somebody should either fire us or we should quit. And because our, our we need to do good for our job. He said, your parents were not good at their job. They knew they were having a hard time doing their job the right way. So they quit and they found us because they knew we would do the job the right way. And such a nice way to say, not to say they didn't love you, they didn't want you, any of that. They quit their job because they were struggling with that job and they had us take over. 
I think it's such a nice way to say it for the boys. I think one of the other important things is providing them with the tools to overcome the anxiety or just to be aware. And when our oldest has some anxiety and so when that starts to build up, just talking it through and letting him know what's happening so he can be aware that this is happening and, and just helping them reach the, that point where they can do a better job in their, as they grow and as they move into their families and, and their careers and just making sure that we can provide all, not just a home and a shelter and love, but just helping them understand how to deal with life. I think that that's something I didn't think of when thinking about being a parent. And I think taking on these two older kids has definitely opened my eyes to there's so much like we continue to learn more about ourselves as we're trying to help them understand who they are as well. That's such a great analogy too, because I feel like so often that's sort of sugar-coated, especially, you know, with older kids. And, you know, it's different when you get an infinite birth who has no other expectations of what an adult is to yeah. say, you know, well, you were a special gift to us. But to say that to kids who've been traumatized by the life they've been living doesn't seem really fair to be like, well, you were a gift for us and you just had to have a really shitty first how many years. You know, that's that's really pretty crappy. Yeah. Unpacking the the trauma of your own childhood while you're raising kids is really an eye-opening experience. And I really look forward to what the next generations are able to do now that so many parents are more openly approaching mental health and setting boundaries and being emotionally and mentally healthy and competent humans, what that change might bring about in our world. I have a moment over here. <laughs> Get yourself back together for a minute. Mm -hmm. So I know there it that balance isn't always possible. And there are some times where, you know, one thing takes priority over another, but how are you both working to, to make that, create that balance between work and kids and running a farm? <laughs> <laughs> I love that everyone just answers that with laughter. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be balanced either. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's striving for that balance, but I think we're really lucky, especially through COVID, and the pandemic, realizing that we're in a good position. We both have good jobs. We both have flexible jobs. We're able to, to be flexible in the work that we do. It's not like being a, a doctor or meat packer. Like we, we don't have to go to a specific job at a specific time. And so we have that flexibility to be able to work from home. One of my, I, I worked for Practical Farmers of Iowa. Before the pandemic, I worked a couple days from home and three days from the office because we're about an hour away from my office. And, and now through the pandemic, I've been mostly working from home, but looking to shift back to a few more days back in the office. But having that ability gives me the ability to get the boys and Travis off to the school and work and then finish up chores and, and then go down to the basement and jump on my off-farm work and have that, that flexibility to be able to fold laundry during a Zoom meeting if I need to. I think those different pieces help help us kind of ease through it. I think just trying to communicate and keep schedules using our calendars as much as possible <laughs> to, to remember what's coming and where we need to go and when we need to go there. Were your two older boys, how was the transition for them from presumably living in town to, to living on a farm? Are they enjoying it or was it rockier? Yeah, they living in town, they were pretty transient and homeless for a lot okay. of their life. 
So I think the big piece was having their own beds mm-hmm. and having a consistent, having consistent toys and having consistent space. They having three boys, having the amount of yard that we do is fantastic, but we've had to learn about not throwing rocks at the barn or things about trying not to scare the animals, but they're young enough that I don't think they really notice that difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will they will when we start having lambs and calves next spring yeah <laughs> yeah and i think too like our oldest he had been in what six different schools yeah and it was my first grade so just the stability is something that's new and adjusting for them and i think calming mm-hmm. because they went to school this year knowing that they're going to see all the same kids and they're going to have friends and something they've never had before yeah i think that was the biggest transition for them I remember a conversation last summer. We had a little little pool put up for the boys while we were home all summer. And Benson and I were in the pool. And he said to me, he said, so when do we harvest the steer? <laughs> and I was totally taken aback by his use of the word harvest. Mm-hmm. I was nervous about telling him that the steer was going to go to the butcher, you know. And he was just, that was just a matter of fact. Somehow he already knew that phrase and he knew what it was going to be. So he started talking about going to the butcher and what that was like. And Hunter, the six-year-old, asked to be in the car on the way to school one morning last year. So when the steer comes back from the butcher, is he just not going to have a leg? Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So it's a little bit different than that. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. hurt. Well, that's why we go to a good butcher. That's why we choose somebody who's going to take good care of them. And, but I love that. Is he just going to come back without a leg? Oh, <laughs> kind of, but not quite just that. Yeah. I know our, our three-year-old is obsessed with chicken, like the food chicken and we have chickens and I haven't figured out yet if he knows that they're the same thing <laughs> and he doesn't care or if he just hasn't figured out that they're the same thing yet. I think he just doesn't care. I yeah, I think yeah. he's fine with eating them. It's not a tractor or a truck. No, no. Doesn't have wheels, doesn't matter. We moved the boys off the farm last year before we butchered the chickens, so they didn't experience that last year. Mm-hmm. And they came back and the chickens were, or the, the roosters that we had butchered were all gone. And we told them what happened and they were just kind of non, non-worried about it, non-concerned. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're just excited to play with the feathers that they found in the yard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Arlene, is it time for cussing and discussing? Sure. So our cussing and discussing section is where we talk about, you know, the things that went well, the things that did not go well, or those funny farm stories that seem to pop up. So Katie, do you have anything for cussing and discussing this week? We have a neighbor up the road whose family has farmed next to my husband's family for five generations now. So so he has permission to hunt the north side of our property. And we have another friend who hunts the south side. There's a road through the middle of our property. So he has a number of trail cams set up. He's a younger guy, you know, not married, no kids. He's got plenty of free time to, to do stuff like this. And it, you know, it really is nice. We've had a few issues with trespassers and he always lets us know because he knows what trucks are supposed to be out here and who's supposed to be out here. And that's been very helpful. But he texted Jim some pictures from his trail camera at like 8.30 on Monday morning. And I'll tell you when there's a trail camera out there and also you're the only one in a neighborhood with this breed of cattle, 
it's really hard to argue about whose cows are out in a timber, <laughs> which is not where they're supposed to be. Oh, they're not, um, not typically picked up on the trail cam. No, no, they should not be on the trail camera and indeed they all were so i mean it's it's handy to you know we knew they were out a lot faster than we might have otherwise yeah that, that's quicker than someone coming to the door saying there's some cows on the road do you know yeah. who they belong to oh that's my favorite oh we saw some cows out oh cool great yeah <laughs> you know but yeah it's it's kind of hard to argue about whose cows they might be when they've got photos that they're texting you you know and then we have our big Ayrshire cow who's sort of the lead cow of the herd you know every time we'll do this she takes off running like she's a rodeo bull you know and she jumps up and down and kicks a whole bunch and then she'll just turn around and walk back through the gate and go right back where she belongs but it's always just ridiculous so Arlene do you have anything to cuss and discuss this week so mine is more of a a preemptive cuss and discuss. So I don't know if this is this is going to go well or if this is going to go poorly, but my husband and I have finally given in to many years of pressure and we're getting our first farm dog. We have oh, been anti-dog for a long time. We both grew up with dogs that were less than helpful uh-huh. uh, and were more annoying than anything. So we, we, and we're cat, we are self-admitted cat people, but we finally given in kids should have a dog pressure. And so in a couple of weeks, we have a Jack Russell crossed with some other things, puppy coming to our house. So I'll let you know how that goes. <laughs> oh, it's going to be busy. It's going to be <laughs> yeah. busy, busy, yeah. busy. Yeah. Now the kids are back in school and I have a feeling that I'm going to be doing a bunch of the, the training, but mm-hmm. Maybe that puppy's, that puppy's going to have you so wrapped around its little tiny puppy toe beans, Arlene. It's <laughs> yeah. going to be bad. Travis and Greg, do you guys have a dog or not? We do. We have two. Okay. We have right. a farm dog and an indoor dog. They're and friends what? with each other. They are friends with, yeah. Our, our indoor dogs become more of an outdoor dog since moving to the farm. Mm-hmm. The, the cussing part, our outdoor dog um, loves to try to hurt the animals, but doesn't know very well how to but also enjoys the taste of chicken. So it doesn't work well when you're raising chickens. So (laughs) the poultry netting is usually more for the dog to keep the dog out of the chickens than it is to keep the chickens in. What breeds of dogs do you have? Uh, What's Dixie? So our indoor dog, she, I think she's a, she's a mix. I, she was a rescue, but she was a Chihuahua Corgi mix, I think. So she's got, she's got the buggy eyes and this long barrel shaped body. Everyone thinks she's obese, but it's just her body shape and these short little legs. She's kind of a princess, but she fancies herself an outside dog. <laughs> and then Mabel, she is what they call a Texas healer. So a cross between an Australian cattle dog and Australian shepherd. So okay. how you get Texas out of that, I'm not sure. That's, that's funny because I'd actually just seen another reference to a Texas healer like last week and I had never heard of such a thing. Uh, she stays yes. on the farm pretty well and we don't have any issues. We've not had any predator pressure that we know of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can hear the coyotes around us. So something's working. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have anything to cuss and discuss? <laughs> Oh, there's always something. We have three boys in a farm. I'm going to say it's not a recent over this last week, but one of my favorite cuss and discuss moments from the farm last year after the derecho, some of our electric fencing had been taken down (laughs) and we had used solar panels or solar chargers. 
Mm-hmm. And I really was happy to be out there with Greg when he picked up one of the solar chargers. It was disconnected from the fence, but he forgot it wasn't turned off. And he grounded it through his leg. <laughs> there was, some, and I might have laughed a little bit. And then there was some disgusting. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, upside, it's probably something you'll only do once. Hopefully. Let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, I know the format for this episode is a little screwy, but as so often happens, all of our best content was after we stopped recording. So we're just going to end the episode and then we're going to keep going. So please keep listening. I'm turning my video back on. We'll see if that all right. if that crashes you again. Nope, I think I'm fine. I can't tell if you're just holding still, Arlene, or if I like. If I <laughs> anyway, hopefully I'll get a new chair soon. I don't know if I told you about this, Arlene, but I put WD-40 on my desk chair because it was squeaking but now every time i move it makes a really loud horrible noise i mean it's like (laughs) it's not what it's supposed to do oh it's not even gonna do it now have you tried duct tape no (laughs) it's i think i messed it up so now it doesn't hold at the level it's set to oh so now it's Um, fighting against itself yeah but also i got in the car this morning and henry must have been playing with the seat adjustments last night because my seat was very strange. <laughs> I was I was unloading groceries. I wasn't just like letting him play in the car unattended. They, um, I have had to take my car to the shop before to get the coins taken out of the CD player. So playing in cars is fair game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just learned not to leave change in the car anymore. You can do one or the other, not both. Henry still has an unfortunate tendency to throw food from the back seat if he doesn't feel like we're paying enough attention to him. And on Sunday, we went to a tractor show and I forgot to bring extra clothes for him. So he peed his pants and we had to go home and we oh, stopped and he wanted it. to stay. Yeah. Oh, he did. He was very mad. We went and got lunch and he was throwing, we went to Taco John's, which is just like a Taco Bell knockoff, mm-hmm. but their potatoes are like the little thin tater tots. And he threw one and it got wedged in the air vent. And I, of course, (laughs) being a woman of a certain age, keep a pair of tweezers in my car. And so Jim was driving and I just whipped out the tweezers and pulled the potato lay back out of the air vent. And Jim goes, oh, so that's why there's tweezers in here. Yeah, yeah. For rogue potatoes. Yes, definitely not the rogue chin hairs that you get at a certain age that nobody warns you about, but apparently everybody has. I don't, I feel like we just need to bring that out into the open, you know. A friend of mine the other day, I discovered she had a name for her rogue chin hair. Oh, Oh, nice. nice. I don't remember, now that you say it, I just remember the conversation. (laughs) We don't remember its name. And she called it Thomas or something, whatever. (laughs) The one that always reappears in the same place. It's bananas because, yeah, I didn't have them at all until... Probably till we started fertility treatments and started really jacking my hormones. <laughs> that was kind of the See, end of that. It's not going to help with your fertility, but it's going to do a lot of wild stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. We had actually started the process of adopting from foster care like a month before I found out I was pregnant with Charlotte after 43 cycles of trying and then got pregnant on a a non-medicated cycle. So I'm always interested to talk to people who've adopted, especially older kids, you know, because that's, I think we might still add some more children to our family that way at some point. It's certainly not 
off the table? Where yeah, so the unexpected mental health of adopting older kids that, that were abused, but they, yeah, reactive attachment disorder oh, yeah. in order for older adopted kids. And Arlene, if you're not familiar, it's basically an anxiety disorder originating from lack of attention and lack of survival attention, I should say. So when babies cry, we react to them. They understand mm-hmm. that they're going to have their physical needs taken care of, their health, you know, they're fed and all those Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So food, shelter, water, love, and those aren't provided, then the child reacts horribly trying to find that attention somewhere. And you can see it in Benson that he's always reacting, trying to make sure we're going to take care of him. So the rocks at the barn or the snowballs at the barn happen frequently or at the, the window of the house because he wants us to look out so that he knows that we're there. Right. He can't not do it. It's a little bit of an obsessive compulsive piece, but he constantly needs to know that we will be there to take care of him. And it, it manifests in multiple different ways, like timeouts. We had to do it in a place where he could see us. When we initially, when we put him to his room, like just go play in your room, he was freaked out thinking he'd be in there all day, maybe for two days. When we dropped them off at Greg's mom's one day for just while we went to Lowe's remodeling the kitchen and the anxiety was increasing all the way, the 30 minute drive about how long you're going to be there. Are you going to come back when we're going to have lunch and are you going to eat with us? And as we drove away, Greg said, oh, I get it. Their parents used to drop them off and not come back. Mm-hmm. And so that, that cycle is really crazy making. There was a time last summer that I felt like I was losing my mind, trying to navigate all of it, being home with them full time and broke down yeah. and cried at the grocery store with another family who adopted some older kids that's similar situation and she said Travis everything you're going through I went through and I felt like I was losing my mind and the tears just rolled in the middle of aisle three Ooh. Yeah. okay I'm not alone yeah but it can be significant we don't have a significant level of it but I think that's because of the mental health work and other things we're doing with them mm-hmm. and getting them on ADHD meds but I wonder too how much it actually benefited you that you were you got them during pandemic times and during lockdown that there was no choice, but to be together and be at home. And you, you yeah. know, that there, there was that kind of, I mean, things you probably would have tried your best to do, but I mean, the world takes us out of our homes for all kinds of different reasons. But when, yeah. when we have to stay home and it's put upon us to, to, to have that, that time of real connection, yeah, real connection was fantastic, but lack of breaks, lack of parks, lack mm-hmm. of... Yeah, Re- yeah, the resources that you would normally be able to access in person that were now virtual or non-existent. Yeah, so it, it's, it's been a journey. It was a rough journey for a while, but we're, we're through those rough patches, I think. Mm-hmm. I hate when people say things, you know, about like kids with disabilities, you know, like, oh, you know, they only go to special families, like that's kind of bullshit but uh-huh. you know i i hope that you feel seen in our community and that we do recognize how much work it is because kids are a shitload of work even if you get them 
as newborns that nobody has managed to mess up yet. (laughs) If somebody's already done a number on them before you get them, six and eight seems like a challenging age anyway. Yeah. It's hard to always figure out how much do you tell people, not tell people. Yeah. Right. Clients see pictures of them and they're super cute little people, right? They're these adorable little teeny tiny humans and they're super cute and they smile great for the camera. And then they terrorize us some evenings. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. And there's some normalcy to that. And then some, I always say they're normal with a little bit of a volume uptick. Mm -hmm. There's that piece of wanting to protect their, you know, medical status and their, their life story. And also, but also being able to talk to other people and, you know, to talk to other parents and be able to, to say like, is your child going through this or, or this is what's happening in our household. These are the things you, you know, as a parent, you try to, that there's that line of like, what's mine and what's yours. And what do I, what am I allowed to, to share with other people? Yeah. It's been interesting. I need to get ready for a client appointment, Mm -hmm. but ladies, this was fantastic. You did a great job. Yeah, I'm enjoying the podcast. I Thank you. Only listen to the first one, but I need to listen to the rest of them. Well, we're we're having fun doing it, so that's. <laughs> and as Katie keeps saying, it's just an excuse to talk to people that we want to talk to. So yeah, <laughs> it's you know, it's an enjoyable way to get to chat with other folks and to just mm-hmm. be out there in that space without having to put on real pants and leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, right, you well, so natural together too. Thanks. Yeah. We, like we said in the first episode, we've only met once at a cheese shop, but uh, it seems to work for us. It's kind of a spiritual bonding moment. It was a nice cheese shop. (laughs) Yeah. And I I got to hold baby Henry while she ate her lunch. So it all worked out. He was so cute then. (laughs) He's still really cute. Yeah. We're going to stay on and talk about a few things. So if you guys want to log off, then we will say goodbye. But thank you very much. It was nice meeting you. Yeah. Same same here too. Thank you. Thanks guys. I got to turn my monitor and figure out all of it because we turned it all around. (laughs) Sorry. Log off your Zoom. No, you're good. All right. We're leaving. Bye, ladies. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Barnyard Language. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. Go to www.patreon.com backslash Barnyard Language to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making the show. Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language. And on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you'd like to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. We're always in search of future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, get in touch. We are a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.